Today we continue in our sermon series in the book of Acts. And as Pastor Saddlemeyer said, we are in Acts chapter 16. We're going to take a break next week for three weeks out of the book of Acts, and then we will return and finish it in the next few weeks after that. But today we are in Acts chapter 16, and I want to give you what I think is probably one of the most uninspiring descriptions of Paul's wisdom when it comes to witnessing. I didn't say inspiring, I said uninspiring, because it's not a word that we use when we think of inspiration and, and motivation. But this is the wisdom that I see in Paul's witness. And it is this, Paul's witness was pragmatic. It was pragmatic, very practical and pragmatic. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter nine, Paul said to the Jews, I became a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside of the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means... I might win some. The great mission stories that we often read and that we often hear about don't center around examples of pragmatism. Very sound and calm and in the moment decisions. As, as a kid, we didn't listen, as kids, we didn't listen to your story hour on Sabbath afternoons for them to tell us stories about the very sensible and wise decision. We, we would hear the stories about, they really did that, that's amazing. These are the stories that inspire us. But, but, but there's a pragmatic approach to evangelism. And today we look at one of those pragmatic moments in the Bible. It might not seem pragmatic to us in some ways, and we'll get to that, but it was pragmatic nonetheless. Pastor Nick already read it to you, but I will read it one more time just in case we missed it. Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra, a disciple was there named Timothy, a son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well-spoken by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in, close places, in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to him for observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and the elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in number daily. They increased in number daily. This is a picture of a pragmatic approach. Now, probably not for Timothy, I guess, as an 18-year-old boy is what he was likely was. The idea of having to be circumcised in order to gain new employment does not seem very pragmatic, but it was pragmatic in the minds and in the thoughts of Paul. Let me show you why. There are scholars that, are, that, are, that question the validity of this passage. Some scholars say that this passage is just outright false. They believe it's outright false. Now others, not wanting to call the Bible writers liars, they, they write things like, well, uh, 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 Luke might have misunderstood the story and the situation, and so he wrote it in this context, but that's not really what actually happened. Some scholars just critique it and say, this shows the inconsistency of the Bible, or it shows the inconsistency of 
Paul. Why do all of them critique it in this way? It's because of what took place prior to this story. Prior to the story, just the previous chapter, chapter 15. If you were here in person or watching online a few weeks ago, you may remember that we talked about Cornelius, the Gentile who Peter baptized. Peter baptized him without Cornelius being circumcised. And when Peter went back to the church and told them about what happened, there were some people that were not comfortable with this because this was not their usual practice, was not their common practice. But when Peter explained the whole story to them and told them that, that the Gentiles had been anointed by the, the Holy Spirit, everyone said, okay, we can handle it. And they moved forward. And we'd like to think that, that they then understood this for all eternity and that everything was hunky-dory for the rest of church history, but that's not the case. 10 years went by. It's only two chapters in your Bible, but 10 years actually went by. And now Paul and Barnabas are winning all kinds of converts amongst the Gentiles. And they began to, to share with people about these conversions. The Bible tells us that, that, that Paul shared uh, with some people about what God was doing in the Gentiles group. And some people said, wait a second, this isn't okay. This isn't okay. These people, said one group of followers of God, they need to be circumcised in order to be accepted by God. Acts chapter 15 and verse five. Some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the laws of Moses. And this party, the Pharisees, this, that were followers of Jesus, said Gentiles have to be circumcised to be accepted by God. And the Bible tells us that, that Paul and Barnabas, and they use these words, had no small dissension and debate with him. Last week, Pastor Candace talked about how, how Paul and Barnabas themselves had great division between them. It seems like Paul had some, some fight in him. And so Paul has a dissension, has this conflict with, the, with, these, uh, with these fellow believers. And then they took the fight back to the church and a debate there breaks out in the church, similar to the one that had happened 10 years prior. And the one who stands up and speaks first is the one who had spoken first last time, Peter. He stands up and he reminds everyone about what happened when he baptized Cornelius. And he ended his statement with this. We believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. And then he says this, just as we are. Should we say amen to that? We believe that it's through Jesus that we are saved just as we are. No works that you can do, no works that I can do. But, but the people aren't quite convinced. And so Paul and Barnabas get up and start telling about what God has been doing amongst the Gentiles that they've been ministering to. And everyone was silent and listened, but, but maybe they still weren't fully convinced. Because then James, the leader of the church uh, at the time, summarizes everything and the church agrees on these following points. Therefore, my judgment, James says, is that we should not trouble those of the Gentiles who turn to God but should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. This is basically the outline. James says, here's what we are saying to them. You don't need to be circumcised. It has nothing to do with salvation, but would you please not be associated with idols? We don't want people to think that Christians are idol followers. 
Would you please not participate in any of the, the immoral sexual practices of the age? We don't want people to think that, that, that we're unconverted. And, and all the, by the way, take care of your bodies. Watch out for your bodies. And now in chapter 16, this whole, they agree to this, they move on. And now in chapter 16, Paul decides that he needs to go and tell all the churches that he has planted this decision by the church. That, that, that they don't have to get circumcised and that they are fully accepted by God. And he also wants to witness to others and, and share this news with them. The circumcision issue has been settled in the church, at least at the voting level. Now, there's something else that we know about Paul, and this is also why people think that Paul's inconsistent. Because in another story in the Bible, we're, we are told about this in Galatians, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter two and verse five that at one point he brought a young man by the name of Titus, another uh, gentleman that accompanied him in his ministry. He brought Titus to the temple and, and there were some people there that said, Titus must be circumcised. And Paul says, absolutely not. In fact, his words were, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment. You want him circumcised? Over my dead body, Paul says, we are not going to circumcise him. Yet then, in our story here in Acts chapter 16, Paul goes and has Timothy circumcised. And people say, what's with the inconsistencies? But it, act, it actually is very, very consistent. Paul wouldn't yield with Titus. He wouldn't yield to the church. He debated and disputed and he helped the whole church come to see that circumcision was unnecessary. And now he is gonna go out and deliver this message that circumcision is not necessary in order to be accepted by God, but he's only going to do this after Timothy is circumcised. That's why scholar says this makes no sense. This is, this is the inconsistency of the Bible. But, but when they say that, and if we read it in that way, we're missing the point. Because here is the point. Paul was passionate about one issue. He was passionate about one issue. People meeting and falling in love with Jesus Christ and receiving his salvation. That was his issue. That was his whole issue. Yes, he argued on circumcision against circumcision. Now he is circumcising. He was passionate about the theological perspective, but he was pragmatic about methodology. He was a firebrand about it from, from, from a theological point of view, but, but when it came to methods, he was pragmatic. Back to the verses we read. We're told that Timothy is from a mixed marriage, a Jewish mother and a Greek father. A Jewish mother who became a believer in Christ, uh, a Greek father who by most accounts, people assume has passed away. Because of this, he was never circumcised. And, and in our day, it's more common for people to come from mixed families and various things. But back then, it was not as common. And such a, 
a mixed situation, a child of a mixed marriage would have caused great debate in the world in which Paul lived. It would have caused great challenges in the world in which Paul was going to minister. It would have been a obstacle, as Sasha spoke about in the children's store, a story, a stumbling block to the Jews. It would have, in, it would have a, a debate would have ensued in every single Jewish place that they went. Is the boy a Jew or is he a Gentile? Well, how do we know? Is he circumcised? Every place they would have gone, this would have been the question. Is he a Jew or is he a Gentile? How do we know? This debate would have impacted the spread of the gospel. You see, Paul's evangelism practice, wherever he went, wherever he went, the Bible tells us that the very first thing he did was what? He went to the Jewish synagogue. We know of Paul as the, as the apostle to the uncircumcised, as apostle to the Gentiles, but, but Paul still desired for his fellow people, his, his Jewish brothers and sisters to know and to accept Jesus. So everywhere he went, he tried to win Jews to the cause of Christ and he tried to win Gentiles to the cause of Christ. And Paul is determined to remove Timothy as a debate or a sideshow to the evangelist, evangelistic message that he is preaching. And in that, we see that Paul is absolutely consistent. And we see that his decision to circumcise Timothy was about pragmatics, not about conviction. By the way, there's other examples of Paul being pragmatic. If you want to read one later, go to Acts chapter 21, verses 17 through 21, and you can read that later. Another example of Paul's pragmatism. Paul isn't inconsistent. He is passionate about sharing the message of Jesus and his heart loves people so much, he is willing to do whatever is necessary within the boundaries of the Bible to help people accept Jesus. When Jews, when Jews insisted that Gentiles had to be circumcised in order to receive salvation, to be accepted by God, Paul knew that this was categorically untrue. He knew that circumcision was a sign for the Jewish nation, not a universal principle to all people throughout time. He knew it was a sign. And when he saw that people he was calling to follow Jesus were being kept away because of circumcision, then he fought against that because he wasn't going to let anything stand in the way of people coming to Jesus within the bounds of Scripture. Jews said to Titus, unless you get circumcised, you cannot be ex accepted by God. And Paul said, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I will fight you on that. There's no way we're going to circumcise Titus because I'm not going to let you put it in his head or anybody else's head that this is the only way to be accepted by God. Timothy comes along. Paul sees that his lack of circumcision will be a cause for debate in every place that they go. And he says, you know what? This is going to hinder the gospel. This is going to hinder Jewish people from coming to Christ. And so let's circumcise Timothy. Paul loved people so much, and obviously so did Timothy, that they do, would do whatever is necessary, whatever is necessary to lead people to Jesus. John Newton, who was the author of the song Amazing Grace, once said of Paul that Paul was a reed in non-essentials and an iron pillar in essentials a reed in non-essentials, getting circumcised so that people would hear the gospel, an iron pillar in essentials, 
against getting circumcised when it is prescribed as a means for salvation. To put it another way, Paul would maybe say it like this, no man should have to get circumcised to receive salvation, but all men should be willing to get circumcised in order to share salvation. What's our thing in our life? What's our thing in our life? This is the principle of Paul's Christian witness. What do I have to do? What do I have to give up? What do I have to surrender in order for people to come to know Christ? Do we live by the same principle? That I am willing to move off of any position that is not clearly thus saith the word of God if it means that some people would come to know Christ? Am I willing to adjust for the sake of people coming to know Jesus Christ? Let's just think about some of the hypotheticals that have existed within our church in our age. And let's be honest with ourselves. You don't have to raise your hand or do anything else, but let's just be honest with ourselves. Think about this one. When Pastor Jason and I were in Central California, we started a church called The Ark. Last night, they were praying about buying their very first building ever in their history, so keep them in prayer. Um, but, but we started this church, and we had services at 4.30. And someone said to us, if you have services at 4.30 in the afternoon, you're not gonna get support. None of the, none of the church members are gonna, are gonna really support that very well. Well, guess what? They were right. We invited a team of 25 and we launched with a team of eight, which included me, my wife, Jason, and Gina. So a team of four, besides Christina and Gina also, who were, who were helping with, with all of it. So we launched in that way. But you know who we did reach at 4.30 in the afternoon? A bunch of people who came to us, two families, in fact, two of the first families we baptized, who said, man, we love that you have this church at 4.30. Why? Well, because all of our kids play sports throughout the year and we couldn't find any church to go to in the morning. Unchurched people came at 4.30 in the afternoon. We baptized all those families. And yes, because I know some of you in the back of your mind, because we're all good Adventists, are asking, were they still playing sports? No, they quit on their own, even without me even having to say a word to them. But there were folks, we didn't get the support and people said, yeah, we, we can't come at 4.30. I remember one brother who came to me, who came on occasion, he, he would come here and there and he said to me, Pastor Chad, we can't do church at 4.30. I said, why not? He said, because when we let out church, it's after sundown. And so the Sabbath is over, so we can't do church at 4.30. And I told him, I said, but we start church before sundown's over. He said, are, are you sure about that? And I went back and I looked and the earliest the sun set there was 4.33. And I told him, we get in by three minutes. We start on Sabbath, we're good to go. But this was the mindset. I don't know if I can do this because, I mean, isn't, isn't 11 o'clock sacred? 11.30? 11.15, 11.20. I know as long as we get in the 11 o'clock hour, Adventists are happy. What if next week we said, you know what? We can't have any more morning services because there's about 200, we're only allowed to have one service and there's about 200 people 
that are not believers in Christ and they can only come at four in the afternoon? Will we be willing with total ease to say, for the sake of the gospel, I put it all aside. I mean, it's a hypothetical, I understand. But let's think about it. What are, what are some other things? What are some other things that, that would we be willing to adjust for? Music. What if the music was never the same again? Here or at another church, would we be willing to adjust? What about your house? Your house is a sanctuary, is a quiet place, your chance to get away. What if opening up your home though to neighbors? What if opening up your home to, to some strangers? Maybe in one of our new connect groups. What if this would help people fall more in love with Jesus? Would you, would you circumcise the comfort of your me time would you circumcise the time that it would take to clean your house just a little bit more? Would you, would you, would you be willing to put aside and it, allow those uncomfortable, awkward moments with strangers exist if it meant that people would come to Jesus? Paul didn't think circumcision was necessary. I'm sure that Peter didn't, I mean, that, that Timothy didn't feel that it was necessary either for salvation. But Paul put aside his zealousness for this point and Timothy put aside his own discomfort related to this issue and went through circumcision because they believed that Timothy being circumcised would help more people to hear the good news that Jesus loves them, that he died for them, and that he's coming back one day again. Do we love people as much as Paul? Do we love people as much as Jesus? Who's willing to look at the situation as it is and say, I'm willing to make sacrifices in my life, in my comfort, in my way of doing things, if it means that one more person will hear that Jesus loves them. The story ends this way. The, the churches were strengthened in the faith, and they increased in numbers daily. Let us ponder, how are we increasing? Let's not think globally, locally. In our own sphere of influence, how are we increasing for the sake of the gospel? I'm gonna give you one more story just because it just popped into my brain. Just this morning, I get a text message from Christina. She's in Idaho with the boys. She's been, we've been in Hawaii and Carolina and Ohio, and now she's in Idaho. And I said, babe, well, Idaho is too much for me. I cannot do it. I, I'm not gonna sacrifice Hawaii, I'll, or I'll sacrifice and go Hawaii with you, but I'm not going to Idaho. So, but, but Christina texted me this morning. She said, Chad, one of my coworkers may be coming by. They asked if they could store a boat at our house and I said, indefinitely? And she texted back, possibly. And then her next text before I had a chance to respond was this. She's not a Christian. She has no experience with God. 
and I'm one of her only friends at the hospital. Remember that before you write back. Will we adjust in ways that are inconvenient for the sake of maybe being able to witness to just one more? Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to be like Paul. Help us to be willing to adjust, to be pragmatic about each situation that arises. Let it be said of us that, like it was said, like Paul said of himself, I was a Jew to win the Jews. I was a Gentile to win the Gentiles. I was weak to win the weak. Or let us be all things for all people so that we might win some so that others might know the joy, the peace that passes understanding that we have found in knowing and loving Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.